all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, host of the original Southern Remedy, the show where I answer your medical questions. Subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on any podcasting app. Kids and Teens and MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. The summer is almost over and school is starting back for some, I know, next week, but I think most it's going to be in the next two to three weeks that school is going to be back. Um, And so today we're going to be talking about how to get your kids ready for back to school. Um, We're going to be talking about what are some different tips to help you get ready. And we're going to talk about what to do when you get back to school and if you encounter some problems with your kids in school. So it's crazy to think um, that school is starting now. I feel like... Thus, every year the summers just seem to go by faster and faster. Um, some schools, I know my friends that live up in Corinth have already started school, and I think some of the Hattiesburg schools have started too. Um, so I know there's some schools that are doing the year-round school, and I think a lot of people are kind of starting to head that way. So you may be in the part of the state where your kids are already back in school, actually. Um, but I think for most people, school's going to be starting back in the next week or two. So um, so I thought this would be a good time to talk about it. Um, if you have any questions or if you have any tips that you have found to be helpful for your kids getting back to school, I would love to hear from you. Give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 7464 Um, So just a few things to start with, and I would be remiss if I, as a pediatrician, if I didn't start with time to get your kids their checkups, Um, because this is the perfect time. We are usually just crazy busy in July and August with people trying to get their kids in, getting ready for school um, with their checkups. And so we're ready for it. We we try to kind of block our clinic to where we can make sure that we have enough visits set up for checkups. Um, it's kind of, you know, in the fall and winter time, mostly winter time, you know, we think more towards like opening up our clinics for sick visits. Uh, But this time of the year, we try to keep it open and get everybody in for their checkups because we know this is the perfect time um, to go in and get your checkup and get ready for school. Uh, You know, with our checkups, we usually... We obviously we do our regular wellness stuff and we check for your heart rate and your blood pressure and we watch their weight and their growth. But we also go over um, a lot of things with our kids, especially our teenagers. 
Um, starting around age 12, I usually get my parents to step out of the room uh, so that I can talk to the kids one-on-one and just kind of go over a few things that they may be anticipating with the school year and talk about, um, you know, bullying. We always try to screen everyone for depression. Um, and then we, you know, I always joke it as our sex, drugs, and rock and roll talk um, where we go over just kind of some of the other things that our teenagers may be encountering um, in middle school and high school. Um, And then we also try to talk about, you know, the Internet and social media and and different things like that with our kids so that we can go in and have a plan for a lot of that as school's starting and and to kind of have, you know, go over some of the different things and rules and regulations that need to be in place for our teenagers with that. So all that being said, now is the perfect time to get your kids back in for their checkups. Um, some may be due for their vaccines. You know, we usually do vaccines before kindergarten and then we do them again before middle school. They used to be called the seventh grade shots. Now I think they're just kind of the middle school shots. Um, we usually do those as well, because both of those have been required um, for school. The other thing that we see a lot of at this age and getting your kids ready with checkups is sports physicals. Um, And pretty much every sport is going to need a physical these days. Cheer, dance, any of the contact sports, band, we have to do it for band, um, for marching band, like everything requires a physical this year, uh, these days. So you want to make sure that if your kid is going to be participating in that, make sure that they're up to date in their physical. Um, A lot of the schools will set up like days, and I know they, they used to. And I think they still do it down downtown at the convention center where they'd like bus in all the kids from all over, um, especially the Jackson area. But I think other schools for, would come in, too. Uh, I know I volunteered as a uh, medical, no, as a resident, I think early in my residency, I did it a couple of times um, to help get all these physicals ready for kids as they're getting ready for back to school and activities. So. That's something if your kid has not gotten that form filled out, you may and they're going to be doing some kind of activity. You want to make sure that you're talk to your school and get that form together, because I guarantee you they're going to be calling you about it here soon, as soon as school starts. So um, but those are just a few of the things that we like to do as you're getting ready for back to school. We want to make sure, like I said, getting their checkup, reviewing um kind of their immunizations, getting all their vision screens, their hearing screens, and then most importantly, what we call anticipatory guidance, where we just talk to you about what to expect in the next year and with our teenagers, like I said, doing all of our um, lifestyle kind of counseling that we do for them. So that's the first thing on the checklist, uh, making sure your kid's ready and healthy for school. Um, but then just some of the other things, you know, trying to get your kids back in a routine. Most of our kids in the summertime have been sleeping late, um, have been staying up later. You know, their eating schedule is all off. They don't eat three meals. They're snacking um, they're just kind of all over the place with what their schedules have been for the most part, especially if you have older kids who may be staying by themselves. Uh, you know, if you have younger kids who have been going to like day programs and things like that during the school, uh, through the summer, they may actually be a little bit more in a routine, but this is, I'm gearing this more towards like our older kids who may be staying by themselves, um, especially our teenagers who have not had as much of a routine. So you want to try to start getting them back in their routine. Now is the time if your school starts, you know, in two weeks, now's the time to kind of start working on that a little bit. 
or if your school starts next week, too. Um, it's not too late to go in and try to get that back in. So trying to get them back on a routine schedule. So we know that how important sleep is, and we can talk about that in a little bit more detail later in the show. But sleep is so, so important for your kid to be successful in school. If your kid is tired, they're not going to be able to focus. They're not going to be able to complete their schoolwork. And they're never going to reach their maximum potential in school if they're tired. I mean, that's just the facts. So they need to make sure that for our younger kids, they're getting 10 to 12 hours of sleep. And for our adolescents, 8 to 10 hours of sleep. So you want to try to start getting them back in that routine. And that may be they have to go to bed a little bit earlier. They may have to start waking up earlier so that they'll actually go to bed at a decent time because when you sleep till 11 o'clock it's hard to go to bed by you know 10 o'clock at night 9 or 10 Um, so you want to make sure that you're waking them up a little bit earlier and you don't have to go if your kid's been sleeping till 10 11 o'clock in the morning it's kind of mean for you to go in there and wake them up at six o'clock in the morning especially when they don't have school so you know make it reasonable let them sleep till eight you know and then try to slowly work your way back to getting them back on that routine. Want to try to get them back on a healthy eating habit as well because a lot of times in the summertime, like I said, there's not as much of a routine. So we may break away from healthy eating a little bit more Um, and eating more snacks. And so you want to try to start getting them in a routine where they wake up, they eat their breakfast, they eat lunch, um, trying to just get them back in that mindset of getting back ready for school because it, you know, it can be a rude awakening if you go from staying up till midnight, sleeping till 11 every day, and then all of a sudden you have to start getting up at 6 a.m. You have to have a routine. You have to stay focused all day for the kids. So this is, you know, just trying to do them a favor and make it easier for you and easier for them um, if you go on and try to start getting them in the routine, getting them back on a schedule, getting them ready for school. So we're going to talk a little bit more about school readiness and what to do if your kid is anxious, how to talk about bullying with your children. We're going to talk some about um, if you encounter some problems at school, like behavioral issues, concerns for ADHD, and how to handle that. Um, So I talked a lot about how now is the time to make sure if your kid is needs to get in to get their checkups. You want to make sure you're doing that, making sure their vaccines are up to date, make sure that they've had their sports physical. Um, if they're going to be involved in any kind of activities, you want to make sure they have their, their physicals done. Um, we talked about, too, um, you know, trying to get your kids back in a schedule a little bit, you know, getting them where they go to bed at a decent time, waking up a little bit earlier than normal, especially for our teenagers. Just trying to get them back in a routine. Um, and now we're just going to talk about like some of the logistical kind of things that I just want to make sure that you are reminded of. Um, you know, this is now is the time to make sure that if you have any kind of forms that needed to be filled out by the doctors for school. So... A lot of times if your kid has to take a medication at school or maybe your kid has allergies, in particular food allergies, we fill out these forms all of the time. Um, and so we have to have you have to turn these in and submit them to the teachers. Well, really, I think it's to the school nurses that it ultimately ends up in. Um, but they need to have those forms filled out so that you can 
Make sure your child gets their medicine at school, or like I said, if they have allergies or asthma, they need to be able to have that rescue medicine available, um, whether that be just Benadryl, or it may be an EpiPen, or it may be an inhaler, but you need to make sure that you've got all of that stuff in line. So get those forms to your doctor uh, so that they can fill those out so that you can take those to school when your kid starts. And then you also want to make sure that you're up to date on your prescriptions. A lot of people forget that those EpiPens expire. And there's not a like, so if your child has a severe allergy, like a peanut allergy or any kind of allergy, and they require an EpiPen, um, I can't remember exactly how long they are, but those EpiPens don't last very long. It's definitely not over a year. Um, So you want to make sure that you're checking that, look at the expiration date and make sure that yours is up to date. And if not, make sure you go see your doctor or call your doctor's office if you've been seen recently and get a new prescription so that you can have that up to date for when your child starts school. Um, So fill out those forms, get all of that set up for your kid. Uh, Because that is something that you got to make sure that they have in advance because you never know when your kid's going to experience that. It could be on the first day of school that they have an issue. So make sure you get all that stuff done. By now, I think most kids are probably registered, and I think a lot of our children who are starting schools, too, are starting to find out who their teacher is. I know a lot of the schools, what they do is they – will mail the little cards out and it's such a fun time for your kid to figure out who their school uh, who their teacher is Uh, another one of my friends works at a school somewhere else in Mississippi and they have uh, they post the class roster outside the teacher's door and so all of the kids like run in the room uh, run down the halls and try to figure out what teacher they have by reading the roster which just sounds like chaos I can't even imagine um, how crazy that would be Um, but you know this is a fun time for your kids so you want to make it fun for them when they're starting to learn who their teacher is you may especially if your kid is younger and is going to be starting kindergarten or maybe moving to first grade Um, and then a lot of our kids in elementary to uh, switch classes, switch schools. So some some towns have, you know, just kindergarten and first grade in one building, second and third grade in one building. So if your kid is in one of those where they're starting like early grades, kindergarten, first grade, or maybe they're starting a new school, um, still in the same school district, but a new school, or maybe a new school altogether, that can be really scary for the kids. So, you know, try to make it fun for them. Let's make it exciting when we find out who our teacher is, make it exciting going and getting some school supplies. Um, And then you want to kind of like just get them ready for school with creating, um, kind of recreating what it's going to be like on the first day. You know, talk to them about, like, let's pretend, let's put our backpacks on and let's pretend we're walking in the classroom. Like, how are you going to introduce yourself to everybody? Or let's meet new friends and just try to remind them of the fun parts of school. Um, Most of my kids, when they come in for their checkups in the summer and I'm like, are you ready for school to go back? They say no. (laughs) And so we want them to be excited about going back to school, you know. Um, So trying to remind them of that. So we're going to make new friends. You're going to get to see all your old friends. Um, Practice with them what they're going to do when they walk into school. Um, Just, you know, just some fun things to make it exciting for them. Uh, A few other housekeeping things, you know, if your child's going to be riding the bus, you want to make sure that you're talking to your kid about safety. Um, How are they going to get to the bus stop? Um, Making sure they know not to go out in the street, wait on the sidewalk, Um, talk about behavior on the bus. I can't tell you how many kids get in trouble on the bus. Um, Happens 
all the time. I would say that's probably when kids get in trouble and they come to see us in, you know, clinic because their kids been getting in trouble. A lot of times it's not even at school. It's at the on the bus. That's like the biggest place people get in trouble. So you want to make sure you talk to them about behavior on the bus and how to treat people kindly, um, both at school and on the bus. Um and so those are, like I said, these are just a few housekeeping things that we're going over. Talk to the, try to come up with a plan for food. I know this all sounds like silly stuff, but like it's a lot of things that we just kind of may have slipped our mind. So that's why I'm kind of going over this. But try to come up with a plan for what they're going to eat, you know. Um, are they going to be getting lunches at school? If so, you know, do you qualify for the free lunches? You would be surprised at how many people can actually qualify for, if not free lunches, at least partially um, discounted lunches. So if that's something that you maybe you think you could potentially qualify for, you need to start looking into that now um, because once school starts, it may be a little bit more difficult to have that done. So um, so just think about that, trying to plan what your kid is going to eat. Are you going to be fixing their lunch? Are you going to get them to get lunch at school? Either way works fine. Um, but you need to kind of start thinking about that kind of stuff and planning because it'll be here before you know it. And like I said, particularly if you could qualify for the free or reduced price um, food at school, you want to make sure that you're going on and getting all that set up. Uh, we're talking today about back to school, and like I said, we've been talking a lot about just kind of housekeeping stuff, uh, but I'm going to get into a little bit more detailed about um, problems that we encounter at school and how to handle that with your kids. Um, so kind of to move away from the housekeeping things, you know, trying to make sure you have your forms in, make sure you get your physicals, make sure you plan for the school bus, make sure you've got the lunches lined up, all of that good stuff. Now let's talk about, you know, emotionally different things that you may encounter as your kids are getting ready for school. So, you know, I talked about how to make it fun for your kids, trying to make it exciting. Let's find out who your teacher is. Let's go see your old friends. We're going to make new friends, all of that kind of stuff. But even then, your kids still may have some anxiety about starting school back. And that's totally normal. Um, I wanted to just let you know that you're not alone in that. If your kid is one of those kids who's dreading school, who gets really worked up, who gets really anxious um, about school, that is super common. It happens in at least 5% of kids is the number I saw. But I'm going to say that's probably a little bit lower. Um, I would say it's probably closer to at least 10 to 15% of kids. Um Especially during COVID or after COVID, I guess, because now that we, you know, COVID made us kind of rethink a lot of different things. And we did a lot of virtual learning and a lot of kids got pulled from school and we're doing a lot of homeschooling. Um, I can't tell you how many kids I see now at post-COVID um, who have not really gone back to school and are homeschooling and who are doing virtual learning Um I guess the virtual learning is not so much through the school districts anymore. They have other programs that they're using. But um, I feel like we've seen that a lot more. Kids, kids kids don't want to go to school. A lot of kids don't want to go to school, and so their families find other ways. Um, but I want to encourage you, if you can, there's nothing wrong with homeschooling. That's definitely a great option for and certain kids. That's what they need. Um, but if you can, getting your kid into school and letting them be social is also a wonderful thing, too. So just know that this is very common. There's a lot of kids that are scared to go to school. Um, so you want to just try to 
encourage them. You want to listen to them hear why they don't want to go to school. Let's try to get to the root of it. A lot of times it can be um, something silly as I just don't want to go to the bathroom at school. We see that a lot too. But it could be there's something else going on. Like there could be there's a bully at school that your child is scared to go back to school for. Or maybe there's deeper problems like um, fear of, you know, failure. Like what if they can't do school? Um, If they're having, maybe there's a student who has a little bit of trouble in school and they're scared to go back to school because they don't want to learn. So if your kid is one of these who is scared to go back to school, very common, but let's get to the real reason why, Um, especially if it's like a, you know, a significant fear that is you're really worried about how you're going to get them to school. Um, Try to figure out what's going on. What is the root of this problem? It may be that, and if this is the case, if your kid is having one of these issues, you know, now is the time to go on and make sure that you're talking to the school principal, you've talked to the school counselor, and you have a plan in place for your child as they're getting back to school. Because if, you know, you don't want to just throw them into this environment. We got to have a plan in place to support them through this because um, it could be very difficult, Um, especially if there's a bully there. Um, And we're going to talk some about bullying and what you can do for that. But, you know, bullying has become more of a problem, I feel like. I don't, I mean, I'm sure kids got bullied when I was growing up. I just don't really remember it as much as I feel like it happens now. Um, And I think because there's other ways that it can happen, you know, We always think about bullying, especially you see in the movies um, with kids getting beat up and things like that in the hallway. Um, But now I feel like more of the bullying is happening behind the closed doors um, with text messages and with Snapchat and posts on Instagram and Facebook and all the things, Um, all the different ways kids communicate outside of school now. That's, I feel like, when a lot of the bullying is happening. Um, So you want to kind of make sure you're talking to your kids and trying to figure out what the root of why they don't want to go to school. And if it is bullying, um, you know, you really probably need to do some investigating and figure out exactly what's going on because there's so many other ways of bullying now outside of school. And it may be something that happened on Snapchat that your kid doesn't want to go to school. So we're going to talk some about bullying because it's a lot of things that as adults now we never had to encounter that our kids are having to go through now. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We are talking today about getting back to school ready. And we've kind of gone through a lot of the housekeeping things with checkups and vaccine records and physical forms and medication forms. And um, we talked a little bit about school-related anxiety and avoidance and how to get to the root of the problem of what's going on. And now we're going to kind of transition into some of the things that you may encounter once school starts, in particular bullying and concern with school like ADHD, learning disorders, dyslexia, all of those different things that you may encounter. And we have Craig on the line. Good morning, Craig. What's going on? Hey, good morning. I have a deep question. What is about cell phone usage and and, uh, and etiquette in the schools, and and another one is uh, where you would sit in the classroom. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Well, I was just wondering about the the cell phone usage, and and like if, uh, because all these kids have cell phones nowadays, uh, if if there are uh, rules and stuff that made by the schools and the teachers. 
I think it's school dependent. My um, just by talking to my mom who teaches middle school and high school um, at a smaller school, they the kids can bring cell phones to school, um, but they have to keep them put away um, in their backpacks or whatever it may be. They can't be out, um, especially during the classroom. And then at one point in time, they changed the rule to where they actually had like a box in the room where they had to put the cell phones in the front of the classroom. Um, Abram's nodding his head. I guess that may be what you knew was too. I don't know. Cell phones weren't a thing when I was in high school, so I don't really know. This is just from hearsay, what I hear from other people. Um, But yeah, I think they will, like some places will have like a box where you have to put your phone in during the class because even if it is in your backpack, you can actually sneak it out. Yeah, growing up in high school, I grew up with cell phones. um, So I might know a little bit more than some of you guys do. But yeah, it was, you very much is considered a distraction. So if you're caught on your cell phone, it's unfortunate and you probably get in trouble for it. The teacher (laughs) will call you out, but... It's not it's not generally accepted, but and it's not often used because if you need to use that technology, a lot of the times the school will provide a computer or yeah. a laptop or something. Um, that's that's how research is typically done, not not through your cell phone or anything like that. And I feel like um, a lot of parents may get mad if you completely ban them because part of the reason kids in middle school and high school have cell phones is for communication with their parents because. Usually your activities increase as you become a middle school and high school. So you may have football practice, band practice, cheer practice, or um, whatever activity after school. And so you have to be able to communicate with your parents regarding transportation. It's not like you're just hopping on the bus and going back home anymore. You have activities. Um, so I don't I don't think they can actually ban them for that purpose. I think that may cause an uproar with, with some parents. Um, but they at least have to have a place where they can put it aside so that they can't access it during the class. Oh, okay, that's it. Thank you. It was it was a good question. Yeah, and then I think you asked about like where you sit in the classroom too, um, which is something that we'll talk a little bit about too um, as we get into like behavioral problems at school and ADHD at school and that type of thing. I think that's such a good point, and um, you know they have all these my. I come from a family with teachers. My mom's a teacher. My sister's a teacher. My aunt, my cousin. We have my mother-in-law taught. Um, my sister-in-law is going to start teaching this year. So, like, I have a family full of teachers and educators. So I hear their side of it, too. And so from a teacher's perspective, they like to know these things up front. So you as a parent and a grandparent, you know your kids best. You know your grandchildren best. So if you know that your kid's probably going to struggle some with school and you think they may need to sit close to the to the teacher, now is the time to tell them. You know, don't wait two and three months into school when your kid starts um, having issues. You want to set your kids up for success. So um, you want to go in and try to plan that out. So when they have all of these like back to school nights and meet the teacher nights, and then they have a lot of schools will do like an orientation for the parents in the first week or two. If you're 
child is going to be going to school, please do your best effort to get there to these events. Now, I know some people with work and it's hard to get there. I completely understand. Um, But if you can, try to send a representative from your family to these events because this is when you can talk to the teacher and you can tell them these concerns. You know, you can tell them, hey, you know, I know my kid and they like to run their mouth. They like to talk a lot. They're not going to be able to sit in the back of the classroom. Can you please try to do every effort you can to put them at the front of the classroom? Or I know my kid and this is their best friend and they're in the same class together and they're so excited and they're going to talk all the time. Please make sure they stay separated. Or, you know, my kid is easily distracted. Can you try to put them up closer to you? Um, Because I think position in the classroom makes a big, big difference, especially as you get older. You know, those first years, kindergarten, first grade, a lot of the times there's so many activities and group work that they're not necessarily sitting at a desk and having to stay focused. But as you get into the older classes and you know your kid's going to be more challenged, I think position in the classroom is so important um, for certain kids. You know, there's a lot of kids that can just sit anywhere, but there's a lot of kids who can't and they need specific seating areas. And that kind of is our responsibility as parents and grandparents and family members is you want to make sure that you're trying to let the teacher know that as soon as possible so that we can set our kids up for success. So those were two good points, Craig. Thanks for calling in and bringing those up. Um, So as pediatricians, we encounter a lot of the problems that happen when you get to school. So um, when kids get in trouble for behavior issues or for bad grades, that kind of thing, um, this is when you end up coming to the pediatrician and you want help and you need to figure out what's going on. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I feel like a lot of people don't really know what to do. Um, So First and foremost, I can't stress this enough for your kids, you want to make sure you have that communication with their teachers. Uh, Because the only way to truly know what's going on in the classroom is if you're having that open line of communication with their teachers. Um, Teachers are not going to be able to just say, hey, I think your kid has ADHD or, hey, I think your kid has uh, dyslexia. They can't do that. Um, That's not part of their their. I don't know what the role, their roles, I guess, would be. Um, so this is why you have to be talking to the teacher and say, hey, I've noticed this. Is this something you've seen, too, when we're working in homework? Or um, I'm really worried. Why are their grades so bad? Can you give me a little more information? Um, but you want to make sure that you have that open line of communication with the teacher so that you can intervene as early as possible. Because, again, we're trying to set our kids up for success. And if you wait until November, well, half the first semester is over. And then especially if your kid is older in high school, um, when grades actually matter, you know, because they're, I mean, well, all grades matter. But you know what I mean? High school, your GPA, this is going to determine how you go to college. Um, you don't want to do that because you're just setting your kids up for failure um, and trying to catch up to things. So, again, I can't stress that enough. Have open communication with your teachers um, so that they can help you figure out what's going on. Okay, so you talk to your teachers and they do say that, hey, yeah, you know, he has a really hard time staying focused. Um, I'm constantly having to redirect him. He turns his test in after five seconds. You know, he just, I watch him. He just goes through in circles. I don't even know if he's actually reading the question before he answers it. Um, And, you know, they notice that they're having some problems with that. 
So you want to come to your pediatrician and you want to talk through some of that. So some of the things that we worry about in particular is ADHD. Um, And you used to have the term ADHD. We had ADD, attention deficit. Now it's just kind of all under one big umbrella, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So everything is ADHD. Um, But we have different types of ADHD. We have the inattentive type. We have the hyperactive type. And then we have the combined type, which is inattentive and hyperactive. Uh, majority of boys are going to be more hyperactive. So that's going to be the kids that can't sit still in the classroom, constantly fidgeting, tapping. Um, they also have with hyperactivity impulsivity. Um, so that's the kids who don't really think before they act. So the minute they are asked a question, you know, a question is asked in the classroom, they're just screaming, blurting things out. Um, maybe they notice on the playground. Um, they don't always think before they do things and with the, their behavior on the playground. Um, and then you have the inattentive type, which typically tends to be more girls. And that's typically what we also see in kids as they get older. Um, so hyperactivity typically is a little bit younger kids. <clears throat> But an inattentive is usually older. Again, this is just generalizations. This is not always the case, uh, but this is just typically what we see. So those are the main types of ADHD. Um, and what do we do about that? So you come to the doctor, you tell them all these concerns, you sell, tell them that the, <clears throat> they're not passing, they're not making the grades they're supposed to. The teachers notice problems with inattention or they can't sit still in their desk. So typically what we do as um, pediatricians are kind of how we start the process. There's some forms that we have to fill out. So for the definition of ADHD, you actually have to have the symptoms in two different settings. So this is not just a problem that happens at home. This is not just a problem that happens at school. It has to happen in both locations Um, because if it's only happening at one spot, Well, there's probably something going on there, you know, Um, and that's something to notice, too, because if they're having problems at school, but you don't have these problems with them at home. okay, what's happening at school? You know, is there I know I keep harping back on bullying, but it's just such a problem these days. Um, But is there somebody or a bully is something that's interfering with why they can't focus at school or if it's only happening at home? okay, well, let's talk, parents. What are our rules at home? Like, what is our setup for our kid? Are we making sure? sure they actually have a quiet environment? Are we taking away the electronics? Are we turning off the TV while they're doing homework? You know, so we want to make sure that it's actually happening in two different settings. So what we do is we give you forms. And we have one for the teacher to fill out, and we have one for the parent to fill out. Um, and there's a bunch of different questions, and they, you know, the first block of questions kind of goes along with inattention. The second block kind of goes along with hyperactivity. And then the last ones are more behavioral stuff, and then also just their achievement and how well they're doing in school. <clears throat> Based off of that, we can pretty much diagnose ADHD, Um, but this is just a screening test. Uh, So we always like to send our kids for formal testing, um, which would be with a psychologist. And a lot of parents are like, well, why do I have to go get the testing done if I have the forms? And the reason is because we know with ADHD, there's a lot of association with like learning disorders. Um, And it could be that your kid has a problem with reading or it may be comprehension or it may be mathematics. You know, there's certain different learning disorders um, and we could target those if they have an associated learning disorder. They may need a little extra help in particular with math or in particular with reading. And so to me, it's super important that, yes, we can do these screenings and we can diagnose 
dose based off of these screenings usually. But you still want to make sure you're getting actual testing because we need to make sure that there's nothing else going on. Um, and that psychologist will also test, you know, like evaluate them for anxiety and depression, which we know can also happen with ADHD, especially in our older kids. So, yes, we can fill out the forms, but you still probably need to go get the testing. And all of this can be done through your doctor's office. We talked about ADHD and what to do if you suspect that. Um, and we talked about going to see your pediatrician, and we have some forms you can fill out. But we always recommend going to getting the testing to rule out any other um, process that could be going on, like a learning disorder, anxiety, depression. Um, so you want to make sure that you actually get the formal testing as well. Now, say your kid does get diagnosed with ADHD, what can you do about it? You know, we have medicines, but we also have um, behavioral modifications. And Craig called in talking about positions, like where you sit in the classroom, which can make a big difference in our kids with ADHD. Um, but there's a lot of other things that you can do as well. So a lot of people are not aware, but there is something called a 504 plan. It's an accommodations plan that your kid can get. Um, and so this is not an IEP. So you may have heard the term IEP, which is an Individualized Educational Plan. Um, and those are wonderful. What those are are for kids who have to have special services at school. Um, and when we say special services, that can mean anything. That is not just special education. That can be speech therapy, you know, OT, PT. Um, it, I mean, it really, the IEP kind of encompasses everything. But essentially, for an IEP, it is a pretty big process. You have to meet with the principal and the counselor and you have the teachers and you have to come up with a plan because it is individualized, hence the name, i.e. individualized education plan for each child. And so you have to come up with an extensive plan, how we're going to do the services. Um, but there's a lot of kids that don't need IEPs, but actually just need a little bit of help and some changes in the classroom, like where they sit. Do they get extra time? Um, and that's when these 504 plans come in. You don't have to have a big, huge meeting um, and come up with this big educational plan for your child. Um, this is strictly just to make some accommodations in the classroom. So just know that if your kid has been diagnosed with something like ADHD, dyslexia, um, really anything, uh, you can create this 504 plan with your teacher and come up with some accommodations for your child. So that may be where they sit in the classroom, extra time. Um, some of the other things that I've seen is like for kids who are really fidgety um, and have hyperactivity, they can give them some distractions. Remember those uh, fidget spinners a few years ago where that was like the big craze? So things like that, you know, just to kind of keep their kid, because there's a lot of kids that just can't sit still. They just tap. They just, you know, want to move. Um, and so this will help them be able to get some of that urge out um, where they can, you know, spin the fidget spinner. They're, they're, um, there's some things that they can put at their feet where they like tap to uh, just to get some of their energy out. And so they, they can actually focus on what they need to focus on. And so all of this you can actually get through that accommodations plan, that 504 plan. So I just wanted to throw that out there if because a lot of people are hesitant to put their children on medicines for ADHD. And I 100 percent understand that, you know, nobody wants your kid to be on a medicine if they don't have to. 
So if your child has been diagnosed and you're a little hesitant to do the medicines, um, this is an option. You know, you can talk to your teacher about getting some of these accommodations set up for your child um, so that they can have that and not necessarily have to do the medicine. Um, There also is behavioral therapy out there that you can get set up for your child, um, and they can help your child do some work through some of these things. This is more for the hyperactive, I would say, and the impulsivity that are associated with ADHD. Um, The behavioral therapy probably works a little bit better for that um, than it does the inattention. That one's a little bit harder to do behavioral therapy for, but it can be done. Um, And so these are other options that you have to do before you start medicines. Um, Dyslexia is, and the medications, the doctors can go over a lot of those. There's lots of options out there. Um, And you don't just have to do those stimulant medicines anymore. We have other options, too that are non-stimulant medicines. So if you're hesitant to do those, you can always talk to your doctor about other options that may be there. Um, Dyslexia, I feel like, is another big thing that we see a lot of and more commonly, and it can affect kids' learning. Dyslexia can be a little bit trickier to treat. You know, we always think of dyslexia as just uh, the kid who flips the letter backwards. I don't know. That's just kind of, you know, what comes to your head when you see dyslexia. But it's way more complex than that. Um, And just because your kid flips a D and a B does not mean your child is dyslexic, too. Um, Because that is actually pretty normal for kindergartners to do that and sometimes even into first grade. Um, So, you know, it's, it's way more complex than that. So... This is if your child is having lots of struggles, particularly with reading and comprehension. Um, it's definitely something that you want to talk to your teacher about. Uh, most of the schools do dyslexia screenings now, which is awesome um, because I think we're catching a lot more people with it now. I don't think we realized just how common it was. Um, I know I told you all my sister is a kindergarten teacher. And she got me to listen to some podcast about how important reading is um, and with with kids. And so many kids previously were dis, were misdiagnosed or not diagnosed with dyslexia, and it affected their reading. And it was like comparing the um, the prison population. Like, I mean, it's like ridiculous numbers of how many people that are in prison can't read and have associated dyslexia um, because it, 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 you know, everything revolves around that with our kids learning. Um, so it's definitely something that I'm so thankful that they do these screenings for. Um, I think they probably catch a little bit more um, learning issues, not just dyslexia, too. Um, So if, you know, I would encourage that. Again, this is not something that your teacher's child is, uh, your child's teacher is going to come to you and say, I think your kid could be dyslexic. This is why you have to be talking with your teacher and asking them, hey, like, I know we're having some issues. Do you think we could get my child screened for it? Um, The Mississippi College has a really good program for dyslexia. Um, I'm sure there's other ones. I just know this is the one kind of in our Jackson area that I recommend a lot of people go into. So if you feel like this may be something that your child is struggling with, look them up um, because they have a wonderful center where they can do more testing. Um, Because, again, what they do at the school is just a screening. um, And then you want to get into a center where you can actually have formal testing. And Mississippi College has wonderful resources. Um, They have counselors and different um, treatment plans that they can talk to you about for the dyslexia as well. So um, I feel like those are just two of the big categories that we see when kids start having problems learning with school. And so I just wanted to make sure that we brought that up um, and that you know that that 504 plan is available. So if you're listening and you know you're 
kid may potentially struggle in school um, with these back to school nights and orientation nights, go in and start talk to, talking to the teacher about this. Say, hey, I heard about this. Can you tell me more about this? How could I get this set up for my kid? Um, so... A lot of stuff that we talked about today. Hopefully this was helpful as you're getting your kids ready to go back to school. Um, if there was something that you had a question about, maybe you heard, you can always send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org, and we'll be happy to get back to you with some answers. Um, thank you for listening. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Think Radio. And it's funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show is engineered by Abram Nanny. And uh, join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.